If you travel, you know how to really go off the grid. Like no cell service in your room, off the grid. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, sound baths, and ice baths. Because when you set up your out-of-office, you mean it. Because when you're the escape artist, vacation is all about resting, meditating, drinking water, and minding your own businessing. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. That's right. Welcome to an all-new episode of Gold Mines. I love it now. Not that I didn't love it before, I just love it now because now the horizon, well, I guess it's been expanded, right? Conversations are getting better. We're learning more about we, of course, I'm talking about us because there is no me without you. So this is for you just as much as it is for me. And the gold mines that we have tapped into this season, oh my God, they've been amazing. And today will be no different because we got another mind of gold, a creative phenomenon. A director that has had the privilege of directing the great Kevin Hart. Yes, I said it. The. That's what I go by sometimes, people. I'm joking. I actually had the privilege of working with this amazing director. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, goodness gracious, if I, let's just name a couple. We can go uh, to Limitless. We can go to Divergent uh, 1, 2. We can go to The Upside. Uh, we can go to your work as a producer and director of some episodes of Billions. We can go to Voyager. What else? I mean, I know that's just me spitballing off the top of my head and knowing your work. I know that there's things to date that you are doing as well, whether it is the world of television and or film. He's a guy that has done it right and is not afraid to put that pen to the pad. That means writing, people. That's what I mean when I say put the pen to the pad. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Neil Berger on Gold Mines today. What's going on with you, Neil? How you doing, Kevin? How many podcasts do you get asked to do? Not all the time. Occasionally. I've done I've done a few, you know. But this is different. This is one that you got pumped up for. This is the one with you. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes it very different. <laughs> I actually, Neil, I've grown fond of the podcast space. And I know you're probably like, Kevin, what time do you have to do to do this? Like when, when, where, and how? This is one of those things that I made the decision to do because I felt that it would be really, really dope if I took the time to educate the world on some of the amazing creatives and talent that I've come across and I've had the privilege to align myself with, work with, call a friend, sister, brother, et cetera, right? And, and to have just authentic conversations that kind of give a deeper dive into the why, right? Like how people got 
to where they are? What's the road that you went down? What was your journey like? How many ups, downs, peaks, hills, valleys? Because this is the stuff that acts as fuel and ammunition, you know, to the to this next generation. So that's the reason for gold mines. And I can't wait to see what information we stumble across um, in this conversation. So thank you for doing it. I'm excited to have you, man. Really excited. My pleasure. Let's get into it. Neil, first and foremost, where are you from? I'm from uh, Connecticut originally. I live in New York now. Your world of childhood, would you consider it a good one? Was it a, you know, did you feel like you were exposed to a world that allowed you to make choices as you got older? Like how hands-on was your, were your parents with you? My parents were really supportive of anything that I wanted to do. And I, I think I had a good childhood. We lived in this, uh, you know, in the suburb at the end of a, of a, of a dead end road and there were woods behind us and that had trails and, you know, so there was kind of this sense of wonder and mystery and, uh, excitement just by like heading off into the woods and things like that alone. And every, when I was growing up, everybody was sort of just let their kids, like they'd let them out like they were dogs. And then they'd like call them back for dinner, you know, at the end of the day and we'd call the dog and then they'd call the kids, you know, we all had a timeline in which you had to be home by. Yeah. I, I operated in that same space as well. Not, I didn't have a lot of freedom though. I will say that my mom was very, uh, she was very strict with my, wiggle room of how I could go out, when I could go out and who I could go out with. So I didn't have, I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have the space to go out and explore as much as I would have wanted to. She was a little more strict. My parents were strict too, but they were, but they were also supportive of like things I was interested in. And they were also, my sister was very rebellious. And so I learned how to get around the strictness by like seeing how she was, how she did it wrong, you know? So so I was a little more, wasn't so much devious, but but it was, um, you know, strategic. Do you feel like your parents were, you know, like, is that something that was embedded into you as a, as a child? And I'll tell you why I asked that after you answer. Yeah, yeah, definitely like rules and coming home at a certain time when I was a teenager, there was like no you know, no being 10 minutes late and things like that. And, and, you know, rules with the homework and things like that. But also then like, I was interested in drawing and painting and theater and things like that. And they weren't like, I had friends whose fathers were sort of more conservative, who might've been like, what are you doing? Why are you doing, you know, you're going to be a, you know, businessman someday. You don't need to like be worrying about playing a guitar or whatever it is. So how did you stumble into the space of writing and then directing? Like what, what age did this bug present itself to you? Well, I was, I was always somebody that was drawing and painting and things like that. And I was, when I was a kid, a really young kid, I was really interested in the circus, Mm. not in like little, like dogs and tutus and, and cute clowns, but like in the darkness of it, like the weirdness of it. And like this traveling group that, of strange people that came to your town. There was something like that was uh, sort of haunted about it. I, I, there was something sort of scary and weird about circuses. And I was kind of, I kind of liked that. And it was um, like, there was something sort of crazy and insane actually about like you imagined the people were anyway, I was fascinated with that. And, fa- and so I became interested in that. And then I became interested in set design and, uh, and the theater and things like that. And, Again, sort of using my, I was a pretty good drawer and painter at drawing and painting. And um, uh, so then eventually that sort of, I became interested in film kind of out of that. But it was more about, it wasn't like I was interested in creating like 
you know, beautiful landscapes or a still life or something like that. I wanted to create these worlds. Like the circus was like a world, like a weird world for me. Was it about telling the story of what that world of what that world was? Or was it just like you were just intrigued by the experience? It was me it was interested in creating an experience that was like you know, unnerving or uncanny or scary or, mm. you know, but it was, it was compelling, but it was about creating an experience rather than a story, say. And from that, I mean, okay, when you talk about creating a story, were you a dark creator? Because you're, you're saying you were intrigued by the mystery and, and the darkness yeah, of this I was... weird group coming to town and, and staying in town and then leaving. Um, as you started to create things at your young age, were they lighthearted? Was it a little dark? Was it like what tone? They were like battle scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> war, you know, war scenes. And so I would like draw like battlefields and like actually show them from, see them from the air, you know? So I'd like do them in plan. Like, okay, here are the trenches here and the other, the enemy trench over there and how, you know, this was going to be the tanks we're going to approach for there. So it was that kind of thing. That's dope. Yeah. So then I was like in, in high school, I was sort of took that and I was like designing sets for the theater productions. And I would like, I like that sort of behind, behind the scenes thing. And I actually went to college thinking that that's kind of what I wanted to do and um, was never like a film, a film buff. I mean, I like movies just like anybody else did, but I wasn't like, Oh, I must make movies since the time I was eight years old. And I wasn't doing that. And then, but I was interested in this, you know, set design. And so I went to college, I was sort of going to do that. And then I did do that a little bit. And then I also started, I kind of returned to like my early drawing and painting. And I sort of like, oh, well, maybe I'm going to go, maybe I'm going to start doing that. And then I sort of like the things that I was looking at that I wanted to paint or draw were moving images. So like, I don't know, you'd see like, look out a window and you'd see like, um, people pass by or a truck pass by or, and like the way the light would shimmer. And I was sort of interested in that as not a very good example, but, and so then I became, then I've started getting more interested in film and then, so went from the set design more to the film. It's extremely artsy. It was, yeah. I mean, it was artistically oriented. Yeah. Yes. That's what I would call art. Yes. artsy. No, that's a, it's a great way to describe it though. Right. Yeah, like when yeah, you talk, yeah. when you start talking about images, shapes, uh, and the way that you're seeing things and the way that you're, like you're categorizing it, that's when you get, you're starting to get to the, to the higher levels of art. I was interested in art and I was looking at painting and, and studying that and looking at, you know, what these 19th century guys were doing and then what, look at what modernists were doing. And, you know, I was interested in all of that kind of putting it all in the pot, you know, when did the light bulb hit that? This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. How old were you? I think sometime in college, okay. you know, that I figured like, I could do it. And it was funny because at the time I was a little bit, sh I was, I was shy, still shy compared to some people, but um, I'm, and, um, and so I wasn't like, you know, to be a director, you have to be like, you know, yeah. fucking telling everybody what to do and like speaking up and people are listening charged. to you. Yeah. You can't quietly sort of say. Mm -hmm. And so people were like, I don't think that's really, is that you? And I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But, but I was interested in, I was interested in kind of creating, starting to kind of create these stories again with this idea of creating an experience and then figuring out like, okay, what sort of story underpins this? And as you, but yeah, so sometime like maybe, you know, midway through college, I was like, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's filmmaking. And so started to really think about that and make short films and like took like a summer class at NYU in filmmaking, you know, that was like really hands-on and, you know, it wasn't about like film history. It was like, 
make a film, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think around there. And when making the decision, right, you know, as a, as a guy who just, you know, I love the stuff in the beginning. This is why I start from childhood and then I slowly break it down from school to then career. It's like now you're in a position where, you know, you have the support of your parents. Your parents have been extremely, um, you know, influential and just like, Hey, now that you found these ideas, you have these ideas, well, let's make sure that we maximize your potential in them, right? They're pointing you in various different directions. Some things you're taking the suggestions for, some things you're not. But now you say, shit, well, college hit. College is going great. Let me make sure that I now go the highest level of creative here. Um, I think it's going to be film. I think it's going to be film, mom and dad. This is what I want to do. Directing. This could be it. Well, Neil's your personality for that. Ah, we'll figure that out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I think they were a little bit like, mm, okay, <clears throat> that's a hard road. <laughs> but yeah. You know, without parents uh, that were doing this particular thing, so then where did the direction come from of, okay, well, here's how we can get to the opportunities in this craft. Like, who was it that was able to point you in the right direction for the opportunities, uh, of course, that you would be looking for, whether it was interning. I mean, I think it made, I made them nervous. And so their things were again, like we could go into advertising. There's, you know, yeah. you could do, you know, commercial TV commercials or something like that. And it was literally like, we knew one person who was, you know, whose daughter was doing commercials in New York city, you know, in some way. And so I kind of talked to her, I talked, you know, you just kind of talk to as many people as you can. And we only knew like a couple of people that was a very sort of foreign thing. Nobody, nobody did anything like that in the, in the town that I grew up in. And so um, they, anyway, I talked to this one woman and eventually like, I don't know, months later she called and said, Oh, you know, there's a PA job on these commercials. And so, ah, and it was is. like, just like piecing like tiny steps. It was like, okay, then you go into New York and you work for like, one day on like a popcorn commercial, like, you know, whatever, holding traffic or something. Mm -hmm. And then, but mm -hmm. you know, you hopefully you're, you do a good job and then they're like, you know, they, everybody always needs good people. It's hard to get the job. But then once you get a job, if you do a good job, you know, that, as we know, it's like, it's hard to find. If you find somebody that's like shows up, it's like, that's like such a major thing. Just like it's a big, big deal. Set. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, then you're doing less holding traffic. Now you're maybe on the set, like, I don't know, doing, you know, doing something else, running still a gopher, but you're like on the set or you're helping somebody on it. And, you know, slowly but surely you sort of slowly, getting, you're, you're getting progress, jobs. You're getting closer yeah. to the actual place where you want to be. Right. 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 What starts off as something in the distance, you start to, you know, close in on the idea of base camp from base camp to the actual set and being in the set being close to the next camera, camera. Yeah. and talking yeah. to the camera says like what do you do what's that thing there it's like oh well that's a follow focus thing you know or whatever it is oh and then you know so doing that as work and then like you know i was like i was eager so i'm like needing anybody that i meet you know who like i i, I was just working i wasn't going to film school or anything like that and it's like you bump into somebody and they're like, Oh, that guy's going to make a short film. He's like, you know, he, he's at NYU and they're going to need some, you know? And so it's like, I'd stay in touch. It was like before, before cell phones and stuff like that. So it was like, you know, it was really like you had to kind of hustle 
and to just do, do anything. And then eventually it was like, okay, yeah, you can work on your student film. You can, we need a grip. I was like, okay. So I'm like setting up a dolly and pushing a dolly, which was like invaluable. Cause like later when I was like a young director, you know, you'd run up against guys who'd be like, well, you can't do that shot that way because you can't do this. And you'd be like, but I gripped before and it'd be like, well, what if you just turned the dolly around and pulled it instead of pushed it? Oh, well, yeah, you could do that. You know? so, yeah. But it's yeah. only because yeah. I had done it before, you know? Your school was the school of opportunity that you had no choice to take. And by taking it, yeah. what you were able to, like, uh, not just learn, but soak in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you, you were a sponge of all crafts and trades, uh, like you said, because your, your school was a school of opportunity. Yeah. You're there. It's a, it's a different thing. I was like a camera assistant on somebody's short film and something else on somebody's music video. And then, and I was always kind of writing at the same time. I'm you know, trying to figure out like, you know, writing, like try, how should you do at that time? It was like, well, if you make a short film, then maybe if it's good, you can make a feature. There's sort of like a, so I was like trying, what's my short film about? What I, you know, and shooting little, you know, one minute movies and things like that, just to kind of like learn, shoot and then edit it. And then it was like, oh, Jesus Christ, that doesn't work at all. You know, there's no, how do we get from this shot to that shot? We needed a close up of his hands. Or- all right, wait, this is getting too good. Uh, let me stop you right here. Let me pay some bills. Guys, we'll be right back with more gold mines after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. You didn't have the director mentor that's giving you the play-by-play book like Mm -mm. the figure it out and the go from you know the ad to the grip to the assistant or crafty or whatever to eventually find yourself behind the camera and then put yourself in a position to say i got an idea but i gotta make the idea but the idea is made after i make the jump when i make the jump Hopefully it's ground there so I can stand up. If it's not, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can always go jump back. Do you still feel that feeling? Ah, that's a good question, Neil. At all? Like, because I, I do a little bit still. There's things that's just like, okay, here we go. I, I You know what? In my corporate <laughs> profession, yes. Hmm. Right? Like in a business way you do. Yeah, because yeah. I'm still figuring it out. Right. right? You're, I'm building the companies and expanding the companies and... 
hiring and 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 you know where people can be best and how they can be best how much of a voice do i need versus not need like you that's a that's the figuring it out yeah, yeah but yeah. i'm excited about that because there's growth attached to it right but there's not the fear of like catastrophe yeah it's, right it's growth like you know i still have a little of <laughs> And, and the business in the business the catastrophe is like shit if this business doesn't right perform or make money well you gotta shut it down right right in just, my personal career i don't have that right you're safe financially and things like yeah, that. yeah i don't so, i don't yeah, yeah i don't yeah. have that in yeah, my yeah. In my personal career and it's like i'm too self i'm self productive so like whether it's stand-up, TV, film, scripted, unscripted, radio, pod, like literature, audio, like I'm so, I there's a lot of things. So I'm always going to be able to be creative in something. But you know what it is, I think, that maybe what it's, what we still, and maybe this works for you or doesn't, but it's like you still, like at the time when it was like, there was the chance that like, holy shit, it's all going to go down the drain if I don't, you were not lazy. Do you know what I mean? You didn't, yeah. you made sure that you like, I like literally just even watching other people's films and things or watching films. It was like, well, how does this work? How does this work? I could, you know, you mm -hmm. couldn't, you can't leave any stone unturned because mm -hmm. if you're like, well, maybe that'll, I hope this works out. That's what's going to get, you know, that's what's going to sink you. And so I think even now, maybe that's what it is. It's like, okay, I'm making this film and I could be like, yeah, I know how to make a film. And it's like, but I still try to do all the research and all, all the, the and look at everything that has anything to do with it and you know you know you you love the work yeah right so i think i think a lot of the a lot of the hunger for success is attached to the hunger and appetite for the work right yeah. to do the things that get you to the win i i still embrace the work yeah so there's not a fear. I think you know what, Neil. No, that's what I mean. It's more the, just like doing, doing the yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say that. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm so confident in the world of opportunity presenting itself consistently because I do the work to create the opportunities. Yeah. Right. Like and and that to me is what keeps the engine going. Yeah. So I still do have that thing of figuring it out. Um. Like while doing a movie we did the upside while doing the upside and being embedded in the world of what this performance has to be my mind is also thinking about what's after yeah what's after how do i position how can i turn this into something what's my relationship with director cast producers etc how do i yeah. expand off of it like that's how i am yeah 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 and you you're not like you're you're a prep guy yes that's one thing, like you are a prep guy. I got to give the listeners a story, right? So the big thing between me and Neil before I signed on to do The Upside, it was the conversation of, you know, is Kevin is Kevin Hart going to be able to ground a performance, right? Like we know Kevin can be funny and we know Kevin can be colorful, but this is something where we feel like the character is you know, he's been through a lot, he's going through a lot, and he needs to be grounded, and Neil wanted to meet with me. And I'll never forget this meeting. I make people laugh and tell them the story, Neil, because the meeting was Neil looking for the security that he needed as a director, as a creative, to truly understand that in taking on the project and in dealing 
with the world of Kevin Hart that his tug of war on set wouldn't be me compromising the integrity of the product by going for the laughs. Right. And and I'll never forget you were like, you know, so how um what do you see <laughs> for for Dell? And I was what do you mean? I remember I remember like the conversation was so I was like you're gonna be good, Neil. It's gonna be fine. Goes, yeah, no, 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 yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> no, I wouldn't let that yeah, go. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> but yeah, we were we we were at a we were at a midtown hotel. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the London Hotel. Mm-hmm. Is that a hotel that yes, you ever stayed yes, at? Anyway, yes. and so we were, which isn't called the London anymore, apparently. But anyway, we were. I remember sitting there, and yeah, and like I, I remember it was starting to. I, I feel like it was starting to annoy you because I was like. Yeah. Okay, Kevin. But what about this? And, you know, for me, I'm sure your listeners are like, well, who are you to like question him? But at the time, I mean, for me, I'm an, I'm a director that works with actors. I'd work, you know, and works with great mm-hmm. actors and with De Niro mm-hmm. and Kate Winslet and Bradley Cooper and Edward Norton and Giamatti mm-hmm. and, you know, all these stuff. And so it's like, and really knowing that like casting is everything and like to get the wrong person in there is like, uh, it's the worst. Destroy it's going to fucking suck. And so, I remember I was just like, yes, but what about this? And, and, but what you did, it was so great. And I remember you were like, I'm getting a little sick of this conversation, Neil. You didn't say that, but it was like, I could sense it. And, and then, and what you did, which was fantastic, was you, you dropped into the character. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember doing mm-hmm. that. And you became this guy that was somebody that you knew from mm-hmm. Phil, you know, your Philadelphia neighborhood and your voice changed and your body changed and you just said like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And you know, I can't, I'm not going to do it cause you can do it. But, and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. I just saw it. Now I'm good. You know what that you told know? me though, Neil, you know what that moment taught me? And for our listeners, of course, we're talking about our first meeting. This is our first meeting before, um, you know, we decided to go and embark on a world and road of, Making the movie The Upside. That's uh, Brian Cranston, Nicole Kidman, myself, and uh, Neil Berger was the director. I uh, put a lot of time into the script, to the material, um, and you know it was near and dear to his heart. And what that moment taught me, you know, it wasn't that it was early in my career, but I feel like every you, you're supposed to take something from every project. And what what I took from that moment, a working with Brian was phenomenal for me, like. Watching how Brian approached scenes, broke down scenes and material, um, just how 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 he was so premium that like that's how I describe him. Nicole the same. Like I got to work with two polished of the most polished, and every day I said I'm going to show up and I'm never not going to be ready. Like that's my job because I'm I'm not the one with the same acting credibility. So I'm never going to be the one um, that holds us up or prolongs or that, you know, causes us to just be in a shit show of a scene. I want to be prepared based off of the prep that's attached to them. And you made me realize like, it's important to be a teammate. Because it's not about me. Me going, yo, I got it. Trust me, you're good. That's not good for you. And for for my teammate, I should want to make you feel secure. I should want the feeling 
of yeah, let's go from our director because it only makes our days that much better when we approach them. And and that when when we started to rehearse, remember like I I was rehearsing wasn't a thing for me. Never had to do it. And I was like, when you want to rehearse, I was like, absolutely. We rehearsed for two yeah, weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I understood yeah. it. And I was like, I understood yeah. the why. I understood um, you know, for Brian, why it was important. I understood why it was important for you. And I understood why it yeah. was important for the relationship. And it it just helped me um start to look at things from the POV of two and not one. Well that's the thing. It's like the director is like it's this, it's this we're not just sort of watching and like you know, or sometimes we are just whatever you're doing, but you know, it's a, there's a give and take in it. And it's like, I can help you and you're obviously going to help me, but it's like, and um, so I, I mean, I love that, that there was, cause it, cause it is that sort of team thing also because the way I'm photographing you or the way I'm going to deal with it in the edit, it's all like, it, it, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a team effort. And, um, absolutely. and you know what I, I did a movie, maybe just before the, it called limitless. Yeah. Um, maybe it was two before, um, the upside and it was, um, and De Niro was in that and De Niro, Robert De Niro, which was, you know, that's a whole other thing to get, but he wanted, he wanted direction. He was like, how do you, how would you, I was like, he's asking me, Robert De Niro was that was like, well, and it was, doesn't because I was this young or old or experienced or not. It was like, it was just part of the job. It was like, and, and he, you know, I remember one time he asked, he was like, how would you say this line, Neil? And I was like, well, I'm going to give Robert De Niro a, a line reading. Yeah. Okay. And he was like, just open to it. He was like, oh, I see what you mean. Okay. And then he like. His process was extremely different. Mm -hmm. Well, he was just, he was just um, wide open, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was, and it was great anyway. So, but yeah, that was, I mean, look, it was a fantastic first meeting. Cause then I was like, I was like, hallelujah. Yeah. I was like, cause when you did it, you kind of stayed, you just went, dropped into the character for like 30 seconds, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You just said a few things. And I was like, I remember coming out of there and telling, I was like, we're good. Yeah. We're great. <laughs> we're, it's going to be great. You're going to do, you know, because people would say to me, you know, they're like, well, is Kevin Hart, you know, because look, people love you and things like that, but they hadn't seen that before. Mm -hmm. They hadn't seen that side of you. And I was like, no, no, we're good. He's got it. It's going to be great. It was also a big deal too, because, you know, what I wanted the movie to be for me, it took, getting the like security from you having you on board I, I needed everybody to understand like this is easy right. for me with the right team of people surrounding me in the right direction and also yeah. you know in the in the job you want to show that yo I'm like not only am I directable but like I'm I got the chops I got the chops you want the good you want the good rapport to be attached totally. to your name, man. So I was, I'm very, very appreciative of the opportunity. Uh, and I love what it did for me. Now you mentioned De Niro, right? Um, what, what actor, like, because when you, when you first start to directing, you don't know the world of comfort that you're going to have with the actor or actress. So what, what was your learning experience like in that regard? in the early stages for you? Well, it was interesting. I mean, that is interesting because I was coming, I didn't, even though I'd done set design and things like that, I wasn't like a theater person. I wasn't like directing plays or something like that. So I wasn't necessarily an actor kind. I had never wanted to be an actor or anything like that. So then I started making short films and then you start, obviously you interact with people and you, you know, you're trying to get somebody to do something emotional, which, or not emo or whatever, with some sort of feel. And it's very hard to, 
make somebody do something that you want. You're like, it's right here on the page. Don't you see? But slowly, but surely again, it's like just experience over time. Like, and I, and in commercials, I started doing things because I did have this sort of kind of dark sense of humor of like, so they were like, there's those MTV things that I mentioned had kind of a, uh, sort of a, a darkly comic feel to them. And so, so then with commercials, I started, I started doing things that had, had actors and it just, I just slowly learned. I took acting classes. Actually, okay. I went on the side, like I would think I was already a, a commercial, like I was already doing commercials and I just sort of quiet. I was living in LA. Then I went to US, UCLA and I took, and I just learned, you know, and then, but then you get into, um, you know, then you do something that's, you know, you do your first film and you're working with somebody and hopefully they're, you know, as, as Mike Nichols said, it's like, I think he used the word prick. I, can I say these words on your yes, thing? He, he was like, he was like, a, he had a no pricks or no assholes rule. And it was like, life's too short and it's hard to get things done. And, you know, you just hope that that's the way, you know, when you're younger, you don't necessarily have the choice. You don't say like, I don't want to work with him. <laughs> you're like, he's just going to work with anybody that, you know, that's, that gets your movie made. And slowly you put it together. So, um, you know, my first movie was a fake documentary with professional actors. They were really good. And, but they, you know, it was a very particular thing that we were doing. Then the next movie was the illusionist with Edward Norton Ah, and Paul Giamatti. Such a good movie. And, um, and those guys were like, I mean, best actors of their generation or two of, you know, there's many great actors, but they're two like serious, you know, Edward had been nominated for, Academy Awards and um, and Paul for you know had been in Sideways and I think he actually won an Emmy for John Adams before anyway he was he uh, they were like real pros and so you know you're I wasn't a kid anymore but it was still like okay I'm like working with these thoroughbreds you know um, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and trying to get them and in one hand you're in very good hands because it's like they know what they're doing and you don't have to do you don't have to tell them everything and things like that. And in fact, for a young director, you need, partly what you need to do is just like, shut up a little bit and yeah, get out of the way and, or, and just give small, you know, like figure out, I mean, it's a very interesting thing. And it's an ongoing thing as a director. It's like, what do they need? Just, they just need to know, like, you need to say that with, that's just a bit warmer and, and a little faster and that's it, you know? And, uh, and that's all they, they need, but the rehearsal helps with that because it gets, you know, gets the bugs out. That's like, oh, I thought I was going to be yelling in the scene. No, 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 don't yell. It's just like a. Well, you develop you develop your own process. That's right. right? I mean, every director yeah. has a different process. Yeah. Uh, some directors um, need the rehearsal time before the actual movie. Some directors attack that rehearsal before the scene, send the actors back. They then vet it out. Some of them come in with a way that they see the scene happening just without the actual positions. Yeah. But the storyboarding acts as the example of what they want right. and then you go and figure it out on its feet. Right. Like there's, there's so many different, um, I think, uh, ways to approach their craft. But what I love is that they all work. Yeah. It's they all work. And it's about, Isn't that interesting? yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's like they're, they're all so different, but yet they all achieve the same task, which is, you know, getting a great final product with great performances out the people. Um, one thing too, you are extremely in tune with everything about the film. I remember there was a a moment where you were you wanted me to make sure I rub my hand on a window seal. It was like the 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 window seal at the apartment that 
I bought the house for my kid's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end, and like I'm there's a scene where I'm like rubbing my hand on the mantle or something. Yeah. But you you wanted me to do it real slow. You kept having me do it. And I'll never forget when we actually watched the movie and I saw it. And it was like slow motion and you had like the wind blowing and the curtain was blowing. And it was so much attached to it. And I oh, was yeah, like, yeah. he sees so much in the moments that you can't see. And that is the dope thing about a director. Knowing what's in your head. You got a vision of this thing in your head. And you're going to get the thing to be exactly what you see it to be. No matter what. And that's that's the most beautiful part about the director. It's like some beautiful mind shit. And they've all all the directors I worked with had it. I remember working with Jake Caston when we were doing Jumanji, and we're on blue screen, right? There's nothing there. Jake is imitating everything that's coming out of the jungle. And then mandrels jump, and you guys got to run here. And these bushes are going to be big, so you got to make sure they're in your face because I'm going to have them all in your face. And then here is where the snake presents itself, but he doesn't bite you, but you see it, and you got to react. And it's like you see this movie yeah. in the movie. But with that windowsill thing, um, which is interesting about what what – I'd forgotten about that moment, but it was also, it was about, it was an, it was actually very emotional in a way because it yes. showed just with this very small, simple gesture, how you cared. And it was kind of heartbreaking yes. in a way. And it had a great feeling in a way, just this simple gesture. It didn't have to be, you didn't need to say the words, I care about her so mm -hmm. much or something like that, or I want to, it was just like, you saw that like, oh, well, that was in this little detail that Dell, your character, did like he just fixed something with the shades or with the dust on the on the windowsill or something like that you know he just and just that gentle touch was there's like a specificity to it that's that's emotional and that adds up to the whole movie you know what i mean that adds up Absolutely. to the you know the experience of the movie it's 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 the little things for yeah me. um talking about paul giamani yeah. right you you mentioned him you'd be good have you ever worked with him you'd, you i haven't man but he's so good be, i was about to bring him up in billions yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah he's fucking incredible yeah. man um of course working with him in the past yeah. it's intentional for you yeah. to get in the, to come and be a part yes. of the world of billions um what's that relationship like with Giamatti? I mean, yeah. we worked on, we had a really good working relationship on The Illusionist and, you know, we stayed in touch. And, um, and then when, um, and there was one other thing, there was another movie, which I actually wrote for him, which, but that's called The Lucky Ones that actually Tim Robbins eventually mm -hmm. did the part, but I wrote it for, for Paul and then he wasn't available for like, you know, nine months and we just, and I wanted to make the movie. And so we went forward anyway, but um, anyway, so uh, when Billions came around, um, they were, you know, he was certainly on on the list of like this would, and I happened to know him, and so, um, you know, maybe that was helpful. Um, it was such a good project, and the the creators of I mean, that show, Brian Koppelman and David Levine, are so smart and so well written. And I was sort of in helped them kind of in pre production, and as we got into it, and so you know, I think look, we Paul and I have a have a shorthand, and he knows me, and he. As a director, he calls he like calls me like a he's like I'm a U-boat captain or something like a submarine captain or something like that. You know, very like stern and like precisely saying no. You are though. <laughs> you are. I love yeah. it. 
I love it. Like you are, you're very much about the yeah. work. When you show up for work, like you're very much about the work. You in that director's booth is a site that so many should see. You're watching everything and you want the words and you want the scene. And then after getting it, then let's talk about the other things, but let's make sure that we get the things that are here. Like your, your care and attachment to the material um, comes from the work that you put into it. Like I'm, I, I, I you get no pushback from me. Neil. Well, but with, and so with, with Giamatti, it was great because you would sort of set up these things like in billions. And then he would just like, I mean, he's such a good actor. Also, he's so precise, and so, but also kind of explosive emotionally. Like he's like, boom, going off in this way, which isn't out of some people mm -hmm. are like, you're like, whoa, where'd they just go? <laughs> it's just like, that's not part of the scene. But he's like kind of crazy. And mm -hmm. you're like that too, in the sense of like, there's this sort of mm -hmm. eruption that happens of, you know, of chaos and emotion and of, you know, whatever it is within the, within the realm of the scene um, that's exciting. And he, so he's, he's just great. And it's just like a, I don't know, he's an incredible pro. He's super smart as well. And so, yeah. Very, 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 yeah. very professional. His reputation speaks volumes. But he's funny and dark in a way. And I, I don't know. He's just, he just has this kind of, everything he does has sort of like this flair to it. That's, that's, uh, you know, peculiar. It also, it's sort of unique and you, but you, you can't not watch him. And you're like, who is this guy? And, you know, such a great guy. Give me your like. I mean, it's very hard to 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 pick a favorite, but I love that you have such a uh, variety in yeah. in the projects that you've done. You know, you go from these movies like Illusionists, and you're yeah. talking about The Upside, and you know, we talk about Limitless, which was a fucking fantastic movie. Bradley Cooper was insanely good in that film. Yeah. Well, the conversation attached to Neil Berger now is it's going to be correct. Like, he doesn't miss. He's not going to yeah, miss. Yeah. The movie's going to have a fucking yeah. ridiculous amount of uh, credibility. Um, it's going to look and feel the way that we all want it to. He's going to do his job. And I think that's what the Divergent showed. Like, you you jumping into that space yeah. immediately after, it was groundbreaking to me. I thought I thought going from there and then coming back to do another, like, that's that's insane. Yeah. Like you, people want the world of franchise. We, as actors, we want it, and yeah. you got to get lucky to get it right. And and if and when it does present itself, you're one of few. You are one of few that can say that you have and have had. So I say, congrats, man. Um, I, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, no, I'm it's glad I did deal. it. You know, yeah, really yeah, yeah. And then I went on to the upside with you. That's a big deal. Now that now we're talking. Now we're okay. talking. That's when things took off when word <laughs> got out that you could direct the great Kevin Hart. Things I took know. off. What's uh what's new? What's on the what's on the the play for you now? Well, it's it's funny you talk about that divergent thing because right now I'm 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 literally doing the opposite movie from that right now. I'm doing this it's it's um I'm I'm in the mm -hmm. middle of editing it now. We're actually we're almost done. We're about to start sound mixing and things like that. But it is a it's a movie. It's kind of a, it's sort of a character-based movie that like of political okay. intrigue. Um, it's sort of a spy espionage sort of story. And it goes from New York to Egypt, to India, to South Korea, wow. and to New York. And we actually took that, we took that trip. 
working with like really small cameras. We had like this core group of, in other words, where Divergent was like, you know, a 400 person mm-hmm. crew, you know, that took 80 days to shoot and $80 million to make. This was like tiny and um, a small crew, no lights, wow. no boom mic. Everybody was on wires. So we could, the idea was that we could walk down the street, like in the middle of Cairo with just me, the cameraman holding a small camera and the actress, and nobody would look at us. And so we could just walk through these huge crowds and stuff like that and have the production value of all that sort of thing and, um, and get away with it. And then, and, um, and, and nobody like, you know, rather than having a big motion picture camera and lights and a boom man, you know, doing his thing that draws attention to you. It was just like, no, we're just like, it was completely stealth. And in fact, the, the aesthetic of the shooting was stolen. It was like, everything was kind of felt, feel stolen, even though it was all, you know, you can imagine yeah, I knew what I wanted yeah. to do, but, um, but the feel of it is that. So like, even when we were in like a hotel or something like that, we'd like just walk through the, like walk through a real lobby, like right into the elevator and ride the elevator up to the person's hotel room, you know, the character's hotel room and just do it. And it's really, it was so fun. It was really fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is, it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, just when you talk about the craft yeah. art and uh, your your artistic approach, the lens that you see things through, it doesn't shock me, man. It it really doesn't, Neil. I I am looking forward to working with you again. I know that we're in talks of doing what we are talking about <laughs> doing. Just know that I'm adamant yeah, about good. making it happen, man. I I am a fan. Uh, a friend yes. and I can say that you definitely helped in changing the narration attached to my name and you know the level of performance that I'm capable of having and you can't do that without great directors no, it, was e- it was easy to do it was easy to do you know you are very very good and well deserving of all the success well, that you. you have had and that's coming your yeah. way man you know we're near done and you know to our listeners uh i would say educate yourself on the world of neil Berger. uh do yourself a favor go look at those movies that we mentioned go watch them and uh you'll walk away with just an appreciation for the way um that he puts a a level of care uh, on screen, right? And and how he can draw emotions um, out from the look and feel of a scene. Like there's so much that goes into it, but I, I really have watched your work closely and I just want to say congrats, man. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing more from you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Neil Berger and this is Gold Mines, damn it. What do we do here? Well, we get inside the minds of amazing talent, amazing creatives all through the world of entertainment and you know what business in general this is simply it's 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 done to hopefully spark something in all of you i know it definitely does for me neil Berger, thank you so much thank you kevin listen to an extended version of this show as well as my radio show straight from the heart and all sorts of great stand-up and talk on laugh out loud radio channel 96 on the xxm app new subscribers get three months free by going to seriousxm.com backslash laugh out loud radio that's seriousxm.com backslash lol radio offer details apply Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a Sirius XM and LOL radio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.